Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Net Jabbar. This is going to be episode 175, and I'm going to do the readings for uh, Monday, the first week of Advent. So, um, let's begin uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the entrance antiphon, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, declare it to the distant lands. Behold, our Savior will come. You need no longer fear. It's from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 10, and it's combined with Isaiah 35, verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, declare it to the distant lands. Behold, our Savior will come. You need no longer fear. And the prayer is, keep us alert, we pray, O Lord, our God, as we wait the advent of Christ, your Son, so that when he comes and knocks, he may find us watchful in prayer and exultant in his praise, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. All right, the reading is taken from um, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1. And uh, this reading can be either for the, because it's two-week reading for a weekday, Cycle B or C, all right, first or second year. I hate those terms, uh, B or C. It sounds so artificial. All right, the Lord will gather all the nations into the eternal peace of the kingdom of God. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. All nations shall stream toward it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways. And we may walk in his paths. For from Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and he impose terms on many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. O house of Jacob, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I'm going to read um, cycle A because I have no idea uh, for the week. Sorry about that. So I'm going to do that for this uh, for this reading. Uh, it's um, Isaiah. The first one I read is from Isaiah. Hold on. Chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. This is from Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2 and 6. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be luster and glory, 
and the fruit of the earth will be honor and splendor. For the survivors of Israel who remain in Zion, and he who is left in Jerusalem, will be called holy. Everyone marked down for life in Jerusalem, will be, uh, everyone marked down for the life in Jerusalem, when the Lord washes away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purchases Jerusalem's blood from her midst with a blast of searing judgment, then will the Lord create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her place of assembly a smoking cloud by day and a light of flaming fire by night. For over all the Lord's, the Lord's glory will be shelter and protection. Shade from the parching heat of day, refuge and cover from storm and rain. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, this is Psalm 122. It's actually one of my favorite ones. Uh, I have a few Psalms that I like. This one's one of my favorite. Um, the responses, 122 and the responses, let us go rejoicing in the house of the Lord. I rejoiced because they said to me, we will go up to the house of the Lord. And now we have set foot within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let us go rejoicing in the house of the Lord. Jerusalem built as a city with compact unity. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Let us re go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. According to the decree for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. In it are set up judgment seats, seats for the house of David. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May peace be within your walls, prosperity in your buildings. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Because of my relatives and friends, I will say peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will pray for your good. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Okay, one more time. Psalm 122. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I rejoice because they said to me, we will, we will go up to the house of the Lord. And now we've set foot within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city within the compact unity. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing in the house of the Lord, according to the decree of for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. In it are set up judgment seats, seats for the house of David. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Pray for peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May peace be within your walls, prosperity in your buildings. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Because of my relatives and friends, I will say peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will pray for your good. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. <clears throat> it's beautiful. It's beautiful, um, this psalm. The, the pilgrims going to Jerusalem would sing it. It's one of those psalms they would sing on one of those pilgrims like they would have to go. If you notice, like, in the second reading, I mean, which is the first reading, actually, the two, one of the two Isaiahs, the first one talks about no, um, no more war. I mean, you have that line, which is, uh, you go to the United Nations and you see it on one of the um, 
monuments. Uh, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. It's a beautiful passage, but as Jesus our Lord said, for for men, for human beings, it is impossible, but for God, nothing is impossible. And for those who believe in this passage, who believe in this reading, it's not impossible because with God, all things are possible and only it can be fulfilled by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that there will be no more war, no more pain, no more suffering, no more injustice. Human beings cannot, can never do it because we are so filled with vanity and pride. Okay. I was listening about a particular talk show host, a popular talk talk show host who became very rich and very popular. And it was very interesting that she, you know, she has, she's also involved. She's very leftist. She's very, um, very much into social justice. And you know how, of course, she's also African-American and she she believes um, she got caught up with all the social justice stuff, that believing in racism. And technically, I realize a lot of these people who become very, very rich in the public, um, the public stage, the public arena. I think what happens is they tend to feel guilty. Some who are very, very race conscious. It's not so much about racism. It's because. They became, they became very successful and they made a lot of money. And I think what happens is they, it, there might be some sense of guilt, I think, because of the amount of wealth they've incurred, the amount of wealth they, 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 uh, they were successful in making. And what happens is, you know, especially if you become from a certain minority that I think there's a majority of poverty. But technically, I think there's a part of us, I think, that doesn't want to share the money. I think it's like that. It's a human nature. I was successful. I was blessed. I was smart. I played it smart. I made a lot of money. And so, therefore, there's an inclination to, to be selfish. And then there's another part where you become guilty. So you see, with human beings, we're so vanity stricken. So to say that we can make a perfect world is impossible. It's impossible. Without having God in your life, without having God present in you. And like it says in Isaiah, you have to be, in a sense, the, the, the sheltering, the covering, it's obviously making reference to the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, where they, were, they had to build shelters to remind them that they are all under God and they are all dependent on God. And whatever they build is never going to be perfect. The Feast of Shelters, you have to make your shelters slightly open, is to remind them when they were wandering in the desert for 40 years and then they were dependent on God for the manna and for the water and for protection. 
and God covered them with the cloud from the scourge of the heat and, and, you know, protect them at nighttime with the, with the cloud of flame, the pillar of fire. And they were wandering around with the, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, and they, and they were pilgrims, they were wanderers. And that basically, like, it's, like there was an episode in, in The Chosen where the disciples were horrified when they saw the prophet saying that the nations will, will one day come and worship in Jerusalem and participate in the, in the feasts, in the, in the sacraments of Israel. And they thought it was impossible. And the character, the actor playing Jesus, the, the script they wrote, everyone wandered in the desert at some point in their lives. And that's true for all of us because all of us, when we don't have God, we are homeless. We are godless people, a people who are wandering. It could be the desert of our own vanity a desert of our own selfishness, a desert of our own making, a desert of our own pridefulness. We don't want to admit it, but it's true. But that's why we, we as a people have to go up to the house of the Lord. We have to, our home is the church. That's our shelter and our protection. The sacraments are in our nourishment. We need Christ. We need the sacraments. We need grace. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we don't have that, we're always going to be constantly at war with ourselves, with our family, with our society, with our neighbor, with God. And we will be our own destruction. That's what happened in Israel when they were wandering in the desert. They fought with God and they fell into sin. And they were their own destruction. And that generation had to be wiped out. All right, let's go to the gospel. Okay. It's from the Alleluia Antiphon is from Psalm 8. Oh, I'm sorry, Psalm 80, verse 4. Alleluia, alleluia. Come, save us, Lord our God. Let your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Alleluia, alleluia. Come, save us, Lord our God. Let your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Alleluia, alleluia. Um, many will come from east and west into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to, um, to 11. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion approached him and appealed to him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, suffering dreadfully. He said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion said in reply, Lord, I am not worthy to have you under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man subject to authority with, a, with soldiers subject to me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come here, and he comes, and to say, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and said to the follow, uh, he said to those following him, I say to you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I say to you, many will come from east and west, and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read it one more time. 
A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 8, verse 5 to 11. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion approached him and appealed to him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, suffering dreadfully. He said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion said in reply, Lord, I am not worthy to have you under, enter under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man subject to authority with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come here, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Amen, I say to you. In no one in Israel have I found such faith. I say to you, many will come from east and the west and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if um, any of you are familiar with Jesus of Nazareth. Um, it's one of my favorite. And there's a scene in Jesus of Nazareth. They actually have the scene. But reading it, I actually noticed something very interesting. In the film, the, the miniseries, Jesus of Nazareth, they have it set in Jerusalem. The actor, Robert Powell, the English actor playing uh, Jesus, and um, the actor playing the centurion is a very famous classic actor named Ernest Bergnine. He's actually in a uh, a beautiful film where he uh, called Marty. Uh, it's set in the Bronx and he plays an Italian-American. He's actually, the actor is actually a Sicilian-Italian-American. And he plays a um, someone who is going through sort of like a, a crisis, trying to find meaning and purpose in his life, trying to find happiness. Anyway, it's a film worth checking out. It's really a beautiful, and he, you know, and it's, it's, it has a beautiful, it's just a very beautiful um, film and it's worth checking out. But anyway, the scene in Jesus of Nazareth has the centurion, the, the incident with the centurion in Jerusalem. Now I noticed the scene here is in Capernaum, back in Galilee. It's not in Jerusalem, so it's very interesting. Um, why this gospel? Well, there, I think the whole purpose of it, the reason why the church and the Holy Spirit guides the church to choose this is, I'm going to say it, it's love of neighbor, uh, love for your fellow man who is made in the image and likeness of, of, of God like you. The centurion would not have done this if he did not love the servant. He didn't love him like a family member. The servant, obviously, think about it. You have, it's not a master and slave thing. It's a family thing. And how many times did Jesus say that the master, you know, in his church, the master is not greater than the student or the slave. Basically, in his eyes, they're both equal. 
And here's this man, a Roman centurion, a Roman officer, a conqueror, a man with a sword, comes begging Jesus to please save the life of his servant. And Jesus was going to come to his house. He said, I will come and cure, cure him. The centurion said in reply, Lord, I am not worthy to have you under and enter under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. He saw Jesus as far too good, too holy. He must have heard him speak. He must have seen him cure people. He must have seen him do wonderful, beautiful things. And he, and he begins to realize that this man is no ordinary man. That he's not just, a, a, he's not a doctor. He's not a witch doctor. He's not a shaman. He is a holy man. He is, there's something holy about him. He must have seen the cures of people who have been uh, saved from demonic possession. He must have seen the lepers cured. He must have seen the paralytics the people who are suffering from body ailments be cured, the blind given their sight, the, the deaf hear, the people born with deformities, physical deformities healed. And he must have realized there's something else going on here than just that these miracles are mean something greater. This is a pagan, a pagan who obviously sees the sign. The signs are telling him that this man is not an ordinary man, that this is not, this is not something ordinary. This is something greater. And he must have been living. I'm going to take a guess. As a possible, he's, he's he's obviously been in 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 among the Jews for a very long time. He he may have even read the the Subduigen in Greek. He would have they would have had to communicate each other to, in Greek, unless of course he picked up enough Aramaic to be able to talk to Jesus. But this is not an ordinary man. He obviously, in his eyes, he sees it. Jesus of Nazareth is no mere ordinary man. He's, he's, he's no mere ordinary Jew. He's not no common rabbi. Now, Jesus then sees the amount of faith this man has. that He had to tell his followers, I haven't found anyone with faith like this in all of Israel. It must have shocked them, knocked them out of their sandals. Right? And... <laughs> then he says, everyone will come from east and west and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. He names Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same words that God said to Moses at the burning bush. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus even said it in another time when he told them, when he said to the bunch of Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection, 
when he brought up a subject matter about a woman married to several brothers and whose wife will she be at the resurrection? And he said, you know, you miss, you misunderstand. He's, uh, he, he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. For he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. You're mistaken. You know, he's not, he's not the God of, you know, the dead. He's the God of the living and they want the resurrection. They will not be need for marriage or given in marriage for they will be like the angels. There's no need for immortal. Immortality does not need to regenerate, to procreate. There's no need for this, for this, for this anymore. So here he's, he's obviously saying that the Gentiles along with the chosen people will be sitting equally elbow to elbow at the banquet in heaven. He, and in other words, it's all about faith. It's not about race. It's not about heritage. It's not about genetics. It's not about nationality. It's about having love and the love of God in you. And so you can have the sanctification of God, the life of God in you and the image of God in you. And you acknowledging the image of God in your fellow man, your fellow believer, the one who fears God, to have the fear and love of God in you makes you, gives you the image and life of God in you. You can't, if you don't love, you don't have God in you. You don't have the image of God in you. You do not reflect God. You need that. Advent has three parts. Obviously, the first part of Advent, we prepared for the incarnation, the coming of Christ, and we still celebrate that. The second part of Advent is encountering Christ now, God now in our lives. The third part of Advent is the second coming, the parousia, the return of the Christ. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And that's what we desperately need. We are waiting for that, but we need Christ now. We need him now. And we have him in the in the sacraments. We have him in the church. We have him in the scriptures. We have him in our hearts when we pray the rosary, when we read the scriptures, when we talk to him, and when we acknowledge the image of God in our in our family, our friends, and even in our enemies. We need that. Okay. Uh, well, it's not, it's not communion, but let's say this. Come, Lord, visit us in peace that we may rejoice before you with a blameless heart. With a blameless heart. May these mysteries, O Lord, in which we have participated, profit us as we pray, for even now as we walk among Pass among amid passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and hold fast to what endures through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.